0: Let's
1: go, go, go! I don't think Rangers are getting the credit
2: that they deserve. I said it all along, to go unbeaten so far. You've been outstanding in Europe. You've got a great bunch of players. I think Steam Girard is reminding the players this season to
3: enjoy it, embrace this title win. I think we have to stand up tonight to a man and we gotta have this game what we came for and we deserve. We're closer to where we wanna be. I'm feeling really good for
2: the Goal Radio Football Show
4: with OPC Energy Limited hosted by Rob McLean,
1: Craig Moore and Paddy Bonner. Call now and voice your opinion
2: 0808 08 17,
5: 17 us go. Bang, out of order. That was Stephen Gerrard's take on John Beaton's performance at Livingston last night as the ref said no to a Rangers penalty appeal and he flashed a yellow card in the face of Alfredo Morelos. He later... Uh, flashed a red card two yellows in the face of the Rangers manager as well and he will be in the stands on Saturday for Rangers against St Mirren Uh, Steven Gerrard's team now just a maximum of four points away from uh, the title Alfredo Morelos got there in the end he scored late Uh, but Craig Moore everyone was talking about that decision by John Beaton what did you think?
4: Well, which one? I mean, first of all, it's a penalty. Uh, it's not even for debate when you've got the, the opposition coach coming out uh, after the game and saying we, we, we were very lucky it was a penalty. I, I think it's clear it was a penalty. Look, I also felt that the referee should have uh, handled the, the exchange of words and, and the halftime situation a lot better, which I think could have easily diffused. Um, you know just something simple Stephen we're going to have a look at half time and I'll I'll communicate that back to you I think it just diffuses the situation rather than having to send a coach off
5: Dundee United Celtic on Sunday and by then Packy Bonner (laughs) uh, Rangers could be 21 points ahead and there are only 21 points on the table for Celtic um Yes, uh, if Celtic lose anything at Sanadise, it's all over. But maybe it's all over on Saturday anyway, because it's not just 21 points of a difference, it's the goal difference as well. It's a goal and, difference.
6: And, and Rangers are 22 goals ahead. Of course, it's all over right now. <laughs> but that way, without the three points, it's over. Um, They've just got to get the, the numbers in the bag, which is the three points um, on at the weekend. And from Celtic's perspective, uh, you know, obviously, Neil's gone. Uh, John Kennedy's in charge. He's got a task to do to t- to motivate his team to go up there and continue to play. Uh, they play quite well at the weekend, um, and uh, it's uh, John's also has got to get the team playing because he, if he has any uh, idea of getting the job, then he has got to prove to the fans. He's, he's that- not getting the job, is he? <laughs> well, you know, um, let, let's let's look at it from from that perspective. Um, John is in the mix at the moment uh, because he's the guy that has got probably about three or four months that he can actually prove to people that he can actually manage a big club like Celtic. Uh, When you're in that position uh, and there's nobody really... I don't know who's going to make the decisions on the new manager. I know John and Peter Lawwell will will be fairly close because I think Peter Lawwell almost demanded that John didn't go with Brendan Rodgers and he stayed at the club and give him a good contract to keep him there. Um, so from that perspective, if Peter was making the, making the choice, John would have to be probably on his list. Mm-hmm. Now... Would John Kennedy sell season tickets for next season? Well, th- well that's the point. Uh, that is the point. And, and we had a, a lady on, a very articulate lady on last week. Natasha. And, and, yeah, it was yeah, Natasha. You, you were, and, and she was very, very good uh, about what she actually said. And, and that's the problem for John Kennedy is that is. It's about credibility among the fans. Uh, John's a very, very good coach. People know that. But the credibility of him being around for the last period when the team struggled, uh, and he is the one that would probably be leading the coaching on the pitch, and things didn't work. And that's what she actually pointed out. It uh, doesn't need me to point it out, or Craig, or anybody else. But the fan. she was a fan mm. coming on to say that... Um, with the set pieces, the, the stats that come out on those, um, you know, they're out in the public, and the fans aren't stupid. they they, they see things going on. So, from John Kenny's point of view. And, and by the way, the rest of the coaching staff, which is Stevie Woods and, uh, and that, all of them now have a three-month period to prove to people that maybe in a different way or a different direction or, or even a different voice mm-hmm. that they can actually produce something with the team. And part of that is going to be not just the attacking side because I think they, they played well on the weekend and they have been over the last couple of weeks, but it's the whole defensive side. And then the two big games coming up against Rangers, mm-hmm. one being that at Celtic Park, They've got to, got to go out and prove to the fans that they can actually compete with Rangers. Now, they've proved it at Ayrbrook's the last time that they can compete, and I think Alan McGregor was the difference between the two sides. But from the point of view of Rangers having the championship in the bag, mm. that's a huge game for John Kennedy and his staff. And if they can actually turn Rangers over yeah. on that particular day, which would be a big celebration for them, then the fans might look at it from a different perspective. Does, uh, you does you know, he have a
5: chance, it, Craig? Does, does John Kennedy have any chance of getting this
4: job? For me, no. For me, no. And I, look, I think, I uh, understand what you're saying in terms of let, let's see how, how John Kennedy does for the, the remainder uh, of the season. The concern for, I think, Celtic fans uh, hearing that is what happens come end of the season if they decide that that's not the way forward? Uh, and... For me, that's time lost in terms of already rebuilding for next season, Um, you know, because in terms of being able to speak to players about potentially who's going to stay for next season, players that they're going to recruit, For me, if you wait until the end of the season, you're already behind the eight ball in terms of uh, the opportunity to sign these players. So that, that for me... Craig, I don't
6: disagree with you. And, and, you know, if I'm looking... I'm just putting up a case for John. If if John was Mm. sitting now and and he's in possession of a job, he's got an opportunity to show people what he can do. And then somebody has to make a decision on him not taking a job or being mm. given a job and who's going to make that decision you know Peter's leaving also everybody knows that at yeah. this point in time is there somebody in the background now able to make those decisions mm-hmm. and when you talk about lost him I totally agree with you because now you're talking about sending players, keeping players letting players go uh, sending new players, yeah. all of that work has to go on now and who's making those decisions so yeah. so that, yeah. we've talked about this many times yeah. already yeah. Since, since Peter and, and Neil has left even yeah. in the last couple of weeks so there are big big decisions to be made from Celtic from that perspective you know I I go back Rob to probably when when I was at the club in um I'm trying to think, in in the year 88, 89, after we won the double, then Rangers had the big changeover with Sooners coming in and so on. Um, We still competed a little bit. We won the cup and so on. But it was a huge change in the club because obviously um, we lost players, very, very experienced players. Now Billy McNeil had to bring in new players he brought in the two Polish guys, Jack Inowsky and yeah. Darius Dobczyk. Mm-hmm. The younger players, you know, stepping up into positions. They weren't hadn't that experience. There were some older players. Maybe, you know, I was there at But Day was only young, and still fairly young. He was a captain. Peter Grant, they were in their mid-twenties. I was mm. probably the oldest at 29 left. So it was a huge change. Mm. And, and that was really difficult to adapt, and and yeah. then then of course Rangers, we couldn't compete with Rangers because they had the money and they were bringing in the big guys, mm-hmm. and that and and that was a huge. And we took a long long time to recover from that situation. It yeah. <laughs> almost took us nine seasons oh, yeah. to, to to recover um, from that perspective. So so that that was. And I'm looking at Celtic now and saying, well, they have to make decisions. The big difference this time round is that Celtic still have money. Yeah. Celtic have the finances that they didn't have then. Yeah. Yeah. and and that can change very quickly and, and if that, you've got and money. that would
5: and that would be part of the criticism of Celtic I guess at the moment it- as well, is that they do have pots of money available and they haven't spent it over the last couple of years. They haven't built from a position of strength. They've allowed Rangers to come back at them. That, that's Whether that's right or not, it's up for argument, but that, a lot of people uh, would certainly suggest that. Um, so the, cha- the conversation has taken a, an early twist already and we will come back to that and we will speak about what needs to be done at Celtic. What is happening at Celtic? Is anything happening behind the scenes at Celtic? We assume it is towards getting in a new director of football, a new head coach, uh, a big turnaround in players we're expecting as well, but meantime Rangers are homing in on the title a maximum of four points required on the back of that 1-0 win at Livingston last night, Uh, but we haven't really been speaking about the late goal quite as much as that penalty decision and that John Beaton moment, here's Stephen
3: Gerrard. It's a 100% penalty and um, I'm someone who wants to support officials as much as I can, because I realize how hard the job is Uh, and I'll go with one of the officials making a mistake a genuine mistake I'll go with that but I can't have three making the same mistake John Beaton's looking at it clearly Uh, the linesman's looking at it clearly and the fourth official's looking at it clearly I've got the worst view out of everyone and I can see it clearly so I'll go with one mistake and I'll keep trying to do everything I can to support officials but I can't have it when three make the same mistake
5: he wasn't happy, Craig. Um, and uh, you don't often see him uh, marching onto the pitch to confront the officials like that. I mean, there have been decisions that have gone against Rangers this season. Yeah. Um, you don't often see him like that. And it, it maybe apart from anything else, it maybe tells us how charged up he is with Rangers on the brink of this first title in 10 years.
4: And I think, I think that's the main point, Rob. I think, look, Rangers haven't won a title for, for 10 years. Um, He's in touching distance of winning his first trophy um, at the football club. He wants to get it done as soon as possible. Um, Now, he's obviously extremely disappointed with the way that it played out because we all know there's nothing worse when you go to try to address a situation, try to speak to somebody, and they give you their hand or they don't Hmm. make eye contact and they're telling you to beat it. Uh, I just think that that whole situation, that exchange at halftime, could have been managed a a lot better with some simple communication and say, Stephen, look you Know the referee just had to say, Stephen, I'd give the decision that I thought was the right decision. I'm happy to go and have a look at it at half time and I'll communicate back with you. I just think that that diffuses the, the, the situation and rather have a scene at half time. We all just like to get some kind of information back, right? But when you don't get that conversation and your blood is boiling, and uh, he, he's you know, Stephen Gerrard's like it's like that bottle you're just waiting to open and it just overflows because that's the emotion that will be behind the scenes. He's desperate to win, to win that first trophy, the first title in 10 years at a football club. So I understand that side. He's taken ownership of what he said. It was it was the wrong way to go about it. I just think it could have been managed differently.
6: Yeah. I wonder, uh, you know, obviously what he said. I, I don't think there's there any harm in walking to the referee and asking him the question. No. Uh, you know, because I think we all, I, I've slowed, slowed it right down from... Uh, uh, from a coaching point of view and an, an analytical point of view, and, and the, the goalkeeper caught him, there's no doubt. And I, I don't think Morellas was on the way down at that point. Uh, and, and that, you know, back to the Yeti situation, you know, um, against Kilmarnock uh, mm-hmm. and. Well, when he threw himself,
5: you know, I don't think there's any doubt that, that yeti was theatrical. Well, no, no, and, and, no, but, but the point he,
6: I made on that uh, was that I think if you're in full flow and somebody touches you, you'll go down. But I don't think that it was even with Morellas. Mm. I think he was no. still striding to try to get past the goalkeeper to put him in. So And he was caught. So 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 there was definitely a penalty. Now, John Beaton's, uh, you might have been, you know, um, he could, he might not have seen it, but he had the assistant referee. on that side yeah. to, to help him out. Uh, but he had to make a decision, and he made the wrong decision. That uh, I think we all take that on, on board. Now, to, to book Morellis, probably for that, he obviously felt that he did dive, so he booked him on that basis. I think that yellow card will be overturned. Yeah, yeah, from that perspective. Yeah, Rangers have appealed but it. But yeah. come back to the Stephen Gerrard thing: has he the right to go to the referee and ask him the question? Possibly but it's what he said maybe yeah, and yeah. we don't know what that is you know uh what he, and how he said it and what, well, he, think, said it, what and he said how it
5: I, mean, I think I think we heard him saying yeah, you're, you're bang, bang out of bang out of order yeah, yeah. and then and then I think it was repeated maybe with a, another adjective attached but, to it well, a- that's and the as he point. was walking yeah.
4: away and I mean at the stage where by the time the, the the second yellow or the or the red card come I mean Steven Gerrard's another 20 metres away from the referee so yeah, just just let it go.
6: I would, of course, of course. But this is the way the referees have been educated, also in Scotland. You know, they don't take it, and 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 that's what you've got. To, you've got to take into consideration mm-hmm. also. I think it was at uh, last week that Graham Alexander was talking about his reaction yes. to, the, <laughs> to the referees. I don't know what Graham what, what said. Wasn't so
4: forthcoming with his answers
6: in what, the media. But, after? but what he really was illustrating that what what he was. What? What you get away with up here yeah. is completely different. What you get away yeah, with yeah. down in England. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Now Stephen's been around long enough to know how mm-hmm. this all works up here. Yeah, so, yeah. so that's from that perspective. I'm not saying that. That listen, it's a real pity for Stephen Jared if they're getting into mm. a point where they're going to. Almost celebrate, uh, winning their, yeah. wanting. He wants to be along his players. Now he's going to be sitting up in the stand from that yeah. perspective. Uh, from from Stephen's so it's a real pity that this has actually happened, uh, but definitely a penalty. Definitely Morellis's thing will be overturned. Yeah. Whether Stephen George will be overturned, I'm not so sure of that. I think that, I think, well, that I mean, can what, be overturned. I, think, I don't think it can. Can it? The, the Stephen George? No, 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 I don't no
5: think. He will be. No. He will be in the stands o- on Saturday. I mean, I think. I think one thing that John Beaton did say to him in response was. We'll we we can speak about this at half time. but, but the whole point there was that. Livingston were changing it's in one possibly. stand, Rangers in yeah. one stand, and 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 the, re- the referee and the officials in another. So they weren't going to be anywhere near but each was other. Was it going to change anything
6: in the second well, just, half? Or, no, but, or no, but could have been to... talked after the game. Did they get together after the game? No, and I, don't <laughs> so. I, don't,
5: I don't think so. I don't think so. But I mean, Stephen Gerrard wanted an explanation. Yes, how he wanted to know how three officials, the referee, the assistant who was on that side, and the fourth official. And, and the fourth official. Now, what what gets me about it all? You know, we don't have VAR. In here, we can't afford it. We're uh, never in the near future going to have VAR. Good. But there's, but there's a, mo- but there's a TV monitor uh, within about five feet, probably, of the fourth official mm-hmm. um, that he could have a quick look at. I just, yeah. it's, it's just, I find it, I find it a bit embarrassing that Scottish yeah. football is caught out in that way as it was last night. And what do you say, well, VAR? VAR should, should,
6: we're not going to have it into the future. That's, uh, that is uh, a goal of, of UEFA. To get yeah, but we've got no money.
5: We can't afford it in this country. I don't think.
4: Well,
5: unless it's not we you are c- starting rumors, Rob. <laughs> do, you, what, do, you, do you think it's coming yeah, soon I, to Scottish football? No, I, just,
4: no, I personally, I don't know. Um, but I remember when it first um, it, it first come about. They trialled it in Australia, so they actually it wouldn't have cost Australia any money. But they've they've trialled it out in Australia. Um, I, I think that that's that's the way that UEFA want football to go it's, hmm. it's not my cup of tea I'll continually say VAR is not for me that's just my opinion but it's, uh, de- it's uh, definitely the direction it that does you it, for it going. does
6: like if that was there at, at, well almost in that game against rangers and and uh uh that would have been overturned very very quickly yeah, yeah. and the referee and that the, the whole I, thing and wouldn't it's have arisen
5: it's crazy i mean how many cameras were on that game last night how many you know there, there would have been 12 Fifteen maybe yeah. cameras on that game, and and we did see the definitive angle. There were one or two angles that we saw that you couldn't be totally sure, and then there was the one that showed there was significant contact and every reason for Morellas to go I down. We should
4: Which is also the... the side. Sorry, sorry, but it's, yeah. it's also the side that the the assistant yeah. referee
5: is on. Yeah, you. So actually, in a cr- in a ground, there, there's sometimes there aren't many fans at Livingston anyway. But 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 there are none at the moment. So actually, you're going that sort of contact. You the, the assistant's going to hear it, isn't he? From about. 30 yards away here what
6: Yeah, the, cont- the contact yeah but uh, I'm going to blame the goalkeeper he should have came <laughs> <laughs> and I'm an ex-goalkeeper no, no. wrong decision but don't quote uh, no, me on that no, no. all you media out there don't quote me on that <laughs> no. Yeah, but um, yeah, so so
5: yellow for Morellas, which mm. will be overturned. Yeah, it has to be uh, the re- the red will stick. Yeah, um, so Stephen Gerald will be watching from the stands at the weekend. But yeah, we'll, we'll hear him in the course of the show. I'm not sure he's too bothered about that because Rangers got there in the end. They 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 got the win in the end, and they're almost there.
4: Well, I think in the end, uh, you know, listening to his press. Um, stuff that come out after the game, he actually felt that it kind of galvanised his team to, to go on and get the result. Look, Livingston um, have, have proven to be a very tough team. Um, you know, Martindale's done a wonderful job. They, they they backed up after disappointment with the cup final. Uh, and it's a pitch that Rangers haven't done fantastically well on. Um, but to go and, and get those three points and, again, a, a, a closer step to the to the title... Look, he'll be really, really pleased. um, Take his situation completely uh, away from it they're on track, they're still winning football games, it's another clean sheet, there's a lot to be happy about for Rangers.
5: Craig Moore, Packy Bonner, Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited for a Thursday night. Get yourself involved as well, what did you think about the officials last night at Livingston, that decision, the yellow card for Morelos, red card for Steven Gerrard, but ultimately three points for Rangers and now a maximum of four away from the title. Will it all be wrapped up this weekend? What about the news that uh, Glasgow could potentially miss out on staging games at Euro 2020 if there are no fans in place. And the plans of League One and Two clubs uh, to get the season going in a couple of weeks' time, thinking about extending the season as well. Lots to talk about. Uh, on the socials at Go Football Show. text GO and your message to 87474 and the phone number you well know at 0808
2: the Ball Radio, Football Show.
5: Let's go. Good to have you with us. Uh, the football chat between now and seven. Uh, much of it has already centred on that decision last night and that uh, outcome for Stephen Gerrard, which saw him spending the second half at Livingston in the stand. It all happened live on the show last night. Uh, Barry Ferguson and John Hartson were sitting here, and this was their reaction and, and action lost. in the other game as well. a is that a penalty. Yes, that's a penalty Down goes Alfredo Morales penalty. And it's going to be 15? yellow for the goalkeeper John Beaton is the referee And it's going to be a penalty for Rangers Nine minutes before done, after Rob. No, is, that, it? is it a dive? He's, he doing it? I think the yellow card is for Morales When he gets back to his feet So we'll look at the TV I've gone a bit early there yep. Yep. See yep. that's the beauty We've, We can see it again the referee's <laughs> Did got you a d- penalty as well? I thought it was a penalty well, there was the confusion last night because I think uh, you are confused. <laughs> absolutely, watching it, watching it live because, and I think probably most people uh, when he when he took out the card, probably most people thought it was going to be for the goalkeeper, and it was going to be a penalty for Rangers, and it was a, a decision that surprised everyone. And presumably, uh, John Beaton has the wherewithal at halftime uh, to look at video uh, and see that, that he's that he's got it wrong. Well,
0: Robert,
4: I'm just listening to. The way that you commentated on that, you were spot on. You were spot on, and I think that's what that's what we all kind of seen, you mm-hmm. know. Like, and then for for what ended up happening, and the, the yellow card for Morelos, and uh, look, he, at the end of the day, I, I hate beating up on referees because I think that we've got to find a way that we can all work together to to, to showcase a great product. Um, there's got to be respect, but he got it wrong last night.
5: Yeah, and here's Stephen Gerrard
3: talking about the officials. The officials do a fantastic job. Um, they do the best they can, and I want to support that. And I don't want to talk about referees after games, but when there's three of them making the same blatant mistake, I think that's a problem. I asked for an explanation at half-time, and the explanation I wanted is how can three people miss the same incident that are all looking straight at it. That's the only explanation I wanted. Okay, um, I got a little bit emotional, which I apologise for, but um, at this level, with them experienced officials,
6: you'd expect better. How could three people get that? But they're not gonna give him that explanation, are they? <laughs> no, he'll we waiting a while for that one to be well, honest. The answer was not gonna come, was yeah. it?
5: <laughs> how how serious a, a, a blunder is that last night? Do do we just look at it do we just look at last night and think, well, they just the, the officials just didn't have a good line of sight. They couldn't have seen it. It's one of those things.
6: Or uh, is that? Uh, but what? What do you poor want? As per refereeing, I think in England, I'm not too sure up here. But I'm, if somebody makes a big, big error, big mistake, they're demoted, aren't they? Following for weekend. Fa- following weekend. Uh, but I, I just think, from a, from the referee's point of view, he may have been obscured. His vision may mm. be obscured yep. because of the angle. I think it's down to the assistant then to help him out. Really help him out. And the fourth yeah, official. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. The fourth well, official he, to he's a he's got point, the, he's But he's got he the might...
4: benefit also to. To have a look at it, yeah, uh, yeah. it might be after, and we don't, we, you know, that's the one thing that I guess I don't like with the VAR in terms of the delays to the game. So you want to try and allow the game to, to flow, but Packer, you're right. Like it's for me, at certain times, assistant referees, linesmen, um, they need to play a bigger role. They need to really support the referee. Yeah in the centre because sometimes they do have that you know they they maybe don't have that we all
6: make mistakes we all make mistakes
4: and sometimes you don't have that clear line of sight Um, and that's where it's so important that you have that backup and and that that feedback from your assistant and he didn't uh, who knows uh, there there maybe was communication but clearly it wasn't there was contact it was a penalty otherwise the decision would have been made It's, it's
6: very clear though that you know if you're a referee and you have to make a decision on a particular instant it's either it has to be almost black or white you either say yeah, he caught him as a penalty, or he didn't catch him as a dive, yeah. or or potentially you could you could say as it could be a dive. So so from his perspective, he got that decision wrong. He got that decision wrong, and that's when we talked in about help. The VAR is not there. I think it should be there. I think it's it's. I look at lots of incidents throughout Europe, uh, and they're getting more right now than they're getting wrong because they've got used to it. Um, So I think in the future, I know you say it may never come because of money. I would love to see that sort of sorted out somehow Mm. because we get over this big issue that we have here. But then you have to rely on your assistant Mm -hmm. to help you out. And the assistant had a clear view of that situation. Now, it took me a little while to, to stop it, break it down, have a look at it. And we have that advantage when we're watching TV sure. that he don't have. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, you're waiting to see did the, did the, did that goalkeeper connect with him, and he did with his right arm connected with his foot, so mm-hmm. that put mm-hmm. him down. Uh, but that's very very difficult in this, but, but so you have to take in the experience as a referee. Yeah. You've got to be. A, but but the assistant's watching it. Yeah. So he's the uh, one that you have to rely yeah. on. And that's where I would say. that yeah. The, and, the, and, the issue is uh,
5: I think we'll come. We'll definitely. We'll obviously obviously come back to the subject. But I, th- I think that's a really important subject that, that Craig's brought up there which is uh, assistants and fourth officials sometimes just don't want to get involved. They don't okay, want to take no, responsibility. No. You you know, you sometimes, you know, I, 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 the number of games that, that I've been to, but where, 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 to take where, responsibility. You, where you see an assistant waiting even to, to decide which way he's going to point the flag for the throw, he's going to wait for the referee yeah. to tell him, no, no, you're five yards away from it. He's... 40 yards away from it you make the decision you know and, and there's, there's a lack of taking responsibility I think but anyway we're going to come back to that because we're going to speak to uh, Tony who we've got on the line now from a Celtic State of Mind podcast hi Tony
2: how you doing Rob alright
5: yeah how are you are you well I'm very well
2: yeah
5: hi Pat hi Craig hi Tony hi Tony what's on your mind Tony what would you like to talk about
2: well, I was just thinking that it's 107 days to the first Champions League qualifier. And Celtic need <laughs> a manager. You've
5: been counting.
2: Uh, <laughs> I have been counting, and yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of Celtic supporters would like to see this issue resolved sooner rather than later, and get people into be working uh, at what at what uh, the rebuild that's supposed to be happening at the club, and in the next. Months from before the start of the next season.
5: I don't know if you heard our chat, Tony, at the top of the show. he uh, was speaking about uh, John Kennedy making a case for himself in the in, in the next few weeks. Is is he any sort of contender for the job?
2: I think a lot of Celtic supporters would be turned off by that, Rob. If if he goes and wins the Scottish Cup, then the Celtic Board might have a decision. But in terms of season ticket sales, I believe John Kennedy just is not the man to sell season tickets. I think the Celtic supporters, I I said this on the pod once, and they they seem to kind of run with it. The Celtic supporters want an appointment, not a disappointment. And it's no, no disrespect to John Kennedy, but I think John Kennedy would be seen as a disappointing appointment for the manager's position if he were to get the gig on a permanent basis. I think the Celtic supporters are aiming higher and aiming bigger.
5: And are we assuming, Packy Bonner, that that John Kennedy is in place for the rest of the season now? That that there's not going to be a
6: new man coming in between now and the end of May? Well, it depends who they have on their list and who's available at this moment in time. If, If there's somebody already in a job and they're trying to attract him, he's not going to come till the end of the season at this point in time, but he may be making some decisions. Mm. (laughs) You know, Mm. he may. I think the one that they probably, if they're going to go down the road of having uh, a manager and a technical director or director of football, which is slightly different than what you would get in a, uh, I was in the role of a technical director in an association, completely different type of job. Mm -hmm. This person then needs to be all over the recruitment. He needs to be all over that part of it. Um, and and but if 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 that was the way they're going to go, then that person could be identified and brought in very very quickly, and that might help the situation. But but again, the manager or the head coach in in the current world we live in, I still think has to have a big big say on the on the players that's brought in. He's got to almost have the final say, and I'm not sure if Neil Lennon had that final say. It's and in some occasions he would probably have to a degree, but not in totality. Yeah. But 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 the sort of. Whoever that, Whether it's a head of recruitment mm-hmm. or a director of football, they need to have a real relationship with the head coach. And the head coach needs to be, have a vision for where this team is going, how they want to play, and, and the type of players that he needs in, in the squad to, uh, to add to what he has already. So all of them decisions have got to be made and made early. But it's very hard to go, in, in this current climate to go out and make that decision when Peter Lowell's leaving. Yeah,
5: and presumably the, the director of football is is the first appointment that has to be made uh, before well, before head
4: coach. I think Celt- What Celtic have to decide is um, how they're going to operate moving forward. And if that if that is uh, with a with a sporting director that's working closely with a coach to recruit players, they need to get the sporting director in ASAP. Right. Um, but again there might be a situation you touched on Lenny not having really the power maybe of the the signing of the players. There's a lot of clubs that will have a sporting sporting director and the head coach is basically just told mate, they're the coaches you sorry they're the players you're going to be coaching. So they, I think they've got to decide how they want to move forward. But but you also have this scenario and I don't know what Tony thinks about this in
6: relation to if you go back to the older days where you had a had a a head coach he's got a, a, a whole group of staff around him but he has a head coach that all let's call him a manager or head coach yeah, yeah. that he is in control of almost everything and he's got his own recruitment guy a bit like what uh, probably Brendan Rodgers had he had, he had mm-hmm. his recruitment guy alongside him and that's what he then dictates to it rather than have Peter Lowell or anybody else above him dictating to him mm-hmm. he's almost in control of that whole thing so there's different a different couple of ways that this could go so, you know, would Martin O'Neill have a director of football and he would be only thinking about a team? No, Martin O'Neill would probably be He wanted to control. do the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Brendan Rodgers yeah. probably yeah. wants to. But Brendan Rodgers, I heard him interviewed recently, and he also talked about the way that the game has gone now, mm-hmm. that you almost have to have a director of football because it's so big. I've been doing a lot of stuff on coach education recently and talking to and, and, and looking at... There's a picture that is out there in, in the public view of uh, Man City. Um, and this is an, a game away from home. A couple of years ago, Mike, Michael Arteta is still on, on the bench, mm-hmm. but he had 16 staff. Yeah, yeah. 16 staff. Yeah, yeah. That's that's only the staff you can see. That's not the staff behind the scenes no. or, yeah. or at home. So now a head coach or a manager has got a huge, yeah. huge operation to handle. And he has to
4: handle all of that. So he needs help. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, so back to... To John Kennedy, uh, Tony, and, and Pacquiao, Binston in terms of... He's, he's, a, he's a great club man who, who's obviously learned the ropes. Look, he may or may not. I don't think he'll be the next head coach at Celtic. But uh, again, so does a whole new management team come in with their own people, which then means that John Kennedy's not involved in a football club? Do you get a, a an older, experienced type of manager that can continue to help mentor and get John Kennedy up to speed? I just think that Celtic fans... Look, it's hard. Celtic Football Club are not going to tell you everything that's happening behind closed doors. I, I totally get that. But there's nothing coming forward to the supporters. No. There's there's nothing at all. So give us an idea of what the plans are and how yeah. we're going to move well, forward. Well, that,
5: that's what I was going to say to Tony. I mean, are we playing, are the Celtic fans at the moment, Tony, just playing a guessing game because there is no message about what's happening here?
2: Very much so. I mean, you've, you've seen various candidates linked with it. You know, Eddie Howe, and, um, David Webb may be coming in Roberto Martinez Sean has also been mentioned Ralph Ranick too you know but uh, until Dermot Desmond decides who the, who the new man is then no, nobody will know uh, it will be a guessing game We're going back to what packing and Craig were saying I, I think it has to be a manager that has total control I've said before that any, any Celtic manager in the history who's had total control has had unprecedented amounts of success Jockstein Martin O'Neill Brendan Rodgers they had total control of the football club. Now, if you're going to bring in a manager or, or a, a head of recruitment or a director of football, the director of football has to have a relationship with the manager. You can't just foister a director mm. of football and a manager and, and say, like right, work together. So I think that's why a lot of people are kind of swaying towards the kind of Eddie Howe, David Webb or Roberto Martinez, Sean Maloney type thing, you know? So... But again, as you say that these are all stabs in the dark. Yeah. Because nobody really knows for certain who is coming in and until Celtic make that public knowledge then nobody will. The guessing game will go on. Celtic supporters have their preferences. They've got a lot of swing towards Roberto Martinez and Sean Maloney, but they're working at the Euros.
6: Yeah. So and they're yeah. That, that narrows
2: it. That in, narrows that timescale even more. That I mm-hmm. say, and they're involved with the, with the best
6: international
5: team in the world, aren't they, Tony? So you know whether they're yeah. they're willing to to but, swap that. But but I mean, re- recruitment's a massive word, isn't it? Because because that's yeah. where Celtic have gone, having gone so right over recent years. Recently, they've gone so badly wrong.
2: Well, Packy touched on it there. I don't think Neil Lennon was responsible for bringing in a lot of those players. I have to be honest, because. <laughs> I was doing a compare and contrast exercise. And when Neil Lennon first came in in 2011, he signed big guys. He signed big footballers. Mm -hmm. Lanyama, Van Dijk, you know, Joe Ledley. Very much in the way Martin O'Neill
5: did before him.
2: Fraser Fraser Forster as his goalkeeper. You know, these were big, powerful players. The players that have been signed in the past year or so, Barkas, Klimala, Ayeti, Sorrow, Taylor, they don't strike you as Neil Lennon prototype players. So I think the biggest question would be who brought who brought them to the club? And I think you'll find, well, I don't know for certain, but I think Nicky Hammond and Peter Law might have a lot to answer for it in that sense. It might be the mitigating circumstances that Neil Lennon has been talking about, where he's not allowed to bring in his backroom staff and maybe had some players foisted upon him.
5: Yeah, and, and maybe also wanted to get rid of some as well early in the season uh, who'd intimated that they wanted out.
6: I, I think Neil yeah. Lennon, sorry Tony, I, I think Neil Lennon probably would be in the discussions and he may have said, because I'm sure anybody worth their, yeah. worth their salt would discuss it with the with the the head coach to say, well, what, what is it you're kind of looking for here? Mm. And then from that, there may be a list of players And you've got to take into consideration the internal constraints on that and the external constraints. Is that player available? Can we afford him? Is the wages right? Does he fit into the dressing room? Does he fit? Culture now is a huge thing in the dressing room, uh, by the way, and I feel sorry for the managers because they're from all over the world. You know, you've got South Americans, you've got the Eastern Europeans, you've got the, the Europeans, you've got the British, the Irish, all coming together inside a dressing room. And, and you again, I, I talk about coach education and stuff that we're doing. That's a huge discussion. Klopp actually last week had a huge discussion with what, uh, the... What the pro licence from England, Belgium, Netherlands and Germany based on that subject, culture, because he's in the middle of it and he's got all that experience of trying to deal with them and manage them and so on. And that goes right down to the smaller clubs because look mm-hmm. at Celtic, the different cultures they have inside. So now a manager has got to be able to say, well, yeah, I like, I, I bring more of them in or no, no, we, we have enough, we, we have to change the dynamic a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's not just about even... even um their ability at times, how they fit in, and how that environment is set up, within address them. So you really need to speak to your head coach about these things. But there may be a list of three or four that they go after, and so on. And then all of these, all of these um, uh, factors are brought into place, and then you make a decision to go for them. So, so there's a lot of work around recruitment.
5: Yeah, I'm gonna have to let you go in a sec, Tony. But just before you go, how worried are you at the moment? Are you are you worried about what the immediate future is for Celtic and, and looking forward to next season?
2: No, I think you have to look forward to next season. As I say, uh, everything depends on Celtic's uh, managerial appointment. You know, you will find out yourself. If, if it's a big name, then the fans will follow on and, uh, you know, they'll get right behind them. If it's, uh, if it's John Kennedy, then I think you'll find a drop in season ticket sales. But everything hinges on, this is a, a crucial managerial recruitment for Celtic. And you touched upon it there, Rob, that, you know, why would Maloney and Martinez leave the, the number one club in the world. Why not? Have Celtic asked the question? It yeah. has been, has been rumours, but go and ask the question. Nobody ever thought Celtic would bring Brendan Rodgers.
5: No, that's true. That club. was a that was a wow at the time, so, wasn't it? Yeah,
2: yeah. You know, so the 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 wow factors there. And why can't Celtic be a club that can recruit a manager of that stature or that calibre? Go and ask the question. Get them to give you an answer. And if it's not for them, it's not for them. But the challenge for any ma- manager coming into Celtic, and Paki will par- know this more than anything, is you-, you get a chance to make Celtic a noise in Europe again. You know, Tony, domestically, they've dominated for a long time, but I think the big challenge for any manager coming in is to make Celtic a noise in Europe again. And I think that's what the Celtic supporters want more than, more than anything. Tony, good to hear from
5: you. Hopefully, see you soon and look after yourself. All the best. That's uh, Tony from a State of Mind podcast. And uh, you two can join the football conversation with us. Uh, Rob McLean, Packy Bonner, Craig Moore, 0808 1717
2: the Ball Radio Football
5: Show Let's go. So last night it was Livingston nil rangers 1 Alfredo Morales got there in the end maybe justice uh, was done it certainly seemed that way having been uh, denied a first half penalty and uh, shown a yellow card which I'm sure is going to be uh, wiped from the record uh, shortly popped up as he does having missed a few chances and he tapped in in the 87th minute and suddenly uh, Rangers had moved to within a maximum of 4 points of the title they're at home to St Mirren on Saturday Stephen Gerrard will be watching from the stand having been red carded uh, last night for his protests at half time to uh, John Beaton that's a subject we will be returning to as well what do you think about the way our officials behave towards players and managers Uh, we had hoped that they are all uh, one big happy family and things were changing but it certainly doesn't uh, seem that way does it at all Stephen Gerrard Not happy And we'll be hearing more from him In the course of the show as well One other story that's doing uh, the rounds today Is that uh, Glasgow is at uh, a growing risk Of being cut from the list of hosts For this summer's European Championship uh, with fewer now than 100 days until the delayed Euros, uh, UEFA wants each of the countries staging matches to submit their plans, including uh, for the return of fans by a deadline of the 7th of April. April. Organisers say they still hope to stage matches at the 12 venues as planned. That's the official line uh, from UEFA. But the Scottish Government and the Irish Government as well, because matches proposed to be played at Dublin as well, are yet to provide assurances uh, whether fans will be allowed back by June. Um, And the question mark is if... uh, Scotland can't give a guarantee to UEFA about fans in Hampden. Um, st- games might not be staged there, Craig. Yeah,
4: and that would be that would that would be uh, for me terrible news for for Scotland for for the national team for for supporters because um, they've got two opportunities, two great games that they can play in Scotland. You know, the Czech Republic and Croatia, I believe that that would be played at, at Hamden. Uh, I think UEFA are looking for uh, assurances from uh, you know the, the 12 host cities in terms of what capacity they believe that they can get to with the rules and regulations in each of those those cities, those countries, you know whether it be 33%, whether it be 50%, whether it be full capacity. But I would like to think with the way – and I'm the, uh, half uh, – sorry, glass half full, so I'm positive, yeah? So that, yeah. that we're going to be in a position that we are going to be able to see fans coming back, that things are – starting to, to to come um come back in a positive light so that so that these games can go ahead and Scotland and uh, and, and Ireland get get these games but you're saying saying uh, Yeah well Paki-
6: Ireland's a completely different situation because you know if you if you take the figures on the vaccine I think there's only 6% over in Ireland vaccinated. Yeah. Well that that is a different picture here in Scotland and in, in the UK in general. Um, so I think Ireland will be probably be behind the situation mm-hmm. uh, now. What what we know is that Republic of Ireland is not there.
4: <laughs> no, no, yeah, for sure. Um, so
6: yeah. the fans coming in, and don't you forget it. Oh, <laughs> I'm so disappointed, so gutted actually uh, that we're not in in the same situation as Scotland. But I'm delighted for Scotland to be in that. And it's such a huge experience for Scotland after being out so long. By the way, also yeah. can I remind yeah. you of that? Yes, uh, we don't even <laughs> <it, but> Thanks. <laughs> and uh, from that perspective, just for the from from the fans' point of view, you know. I have Granson over here of course too and he's and all his pals and they would love to be able to go to to watch some of these games at Hamden and whether, are, there, whether should, you would ever get a ticket or not that might well, be yeah. but,
5: uh, there are the two Scotland group games there are two other group games as well scheduled to be played yes. at Hamden and a round of 16 match as well yeah. so, so we're talking about five matches yeah. at Hamden yeah. Um, and, and maybe we're scaremongering here but this seems to be a story that that is circulating today well, that there, there is this doubt about yeah. it because Scotland and maybe Ireland as well from what you are saying can't give that stipulation oh, and it's a difficult uh, that, one that assurance to give. that there will be fans in the grounds yeah, by and,
6: and and it's because of the variant and because of the travel restrictions and all of that like I haven't been in Ireland since last I think it was July. I got over for about a three-week period, and having to isolate for two weeks of that, mm. so I haven't been home home since uh, to to Ireland, and and we can't travel. Nobody can travel, so I can't see that changing mm. too much even going into June, yeah. uh, you may be able to travel around your country and do all of that, yeah. even within the UK. But if we're now talking about fans coming from abroad, from from, from Europe, to have to come in to support their, their team, that might be the the, the biggest issue yeah, of this, all of this. But it would be a terrible shame yeah. from from, from uh, this point of view that, that Scotland would lose the opportunity yeah. to have two home fixtures. Wow. That's, that, that's a real advantage.
4: But, but the thing is, a strange thing for me, Rob, is that the, these doubts are not are not, echoed by UEFA because they're... they're, they're come out and says that we, we're still planning to go ahead with 12 host cities yep. and we actually haven't thought of anything other than 12 host cities No, this, I, I'm, I'm sure they have uh, no, though. But by they, they the, by the release
6: that they come out with that says that... No, no, I know that and and that's why they, they probably don't want to be coming out with any other thing at, at this mm-hmm. moment in time just to... But I think they've been looking... I think at one you point they were you, looking... You work <laughs> with you <if> I, <laughs> Well, you well do I do a lot of work inside around there but yeah. I, I'm, not in, I'm not in that hierarchy to be making and finding out decisions <laughs> but I know that they've been almost talking about Russia also hosting it uh, the complete tournament again uh, so um, that would be probably now um, because of the vaccine probably putting on, on on the long finger but it's still there mm. uh, to, to take it into one country um, having but, a hub uh, having festival a hub, of football yeah how, how, yeah, but but now now it's a it's a very very difficult situation for for UEFA and it's a difficult situation for the government here. Yeah. A, to make those decisions without knowing what's going to happen in the facts and and because we don't know the, how the variant thing is still the data is very very obscure uh, it's very difficult to make those decisions It would
5: be I mean obviously a massive feather in the cap for Scotland to have Euro games here but it's going to be strange anyway because it's not as if they're going to be packed out with with Scotland fans I mean if there are any fans Mm -hmm. inside Hamden come summertime, it's going to be a moderate number that's for sure
4: yeah, I thought you were you were going to say it was strange because it was twenty two years since you'd last qualified. Was it twenty two <laughs> years for for yeah, a major just tournament? From, just uh, just it? Yeah, uh, no, but look, I mean, it's funny because it's a question that that I have asked uh, players as well in terms of you know what's it like playing in front of um, no fans, and then we had that little period. Uh, I spoke to a couple of players down south where they had the, the two thousand that come through and that sort of stuff, and they said it actually felt strange going back to having a few people a few people in, uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, we all want. To see stadiums uh, full, but we need to do that in the safest possible way. Yeah,
6: but uh, to to run a European Championship without fans would be an incredible situation because the experience of going to the European Championships as a fan, uh, how how they mix and different countries mixing and move, that that's what makes the European Champs mm. or the World Cup for that point. To run it without fans, you're almost then talking to from the players perspective also it takes away a huge a huge sure does but we're, but we're running one thing
5: we're doing as well is running out of time of course it's I think 99 days uh, today that uh, Scotland play their first game at uh, Euro 2020 and of course it will be the summer of 21 confused uh, we probably are but we're looking forward to it anyway whatever happens as Stevie Clark leads his team into action at the Euro Finals um, it is the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited and uh, another hour of football chat on the way after the news at six. Get yourself involved 0808 17, 17
0: Feel the heat of the game, the crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last minute heartache and the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OP Energy Limited. For more information on boiler servicing and maintenance, visit opc-ltd.uk. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go.
5: Yeah, a maximum of four points away from the title. That's Rangers on the back of that 1-0 win at Livingston last night. 87 minutes when Alfredo Morelos scored. But so much of the talk today is about the two yellows shown to Stephen Gerrard uh, at halftime by referee John Beaton after the Rangers manager protested about the decision-making process. He was looking for an explanation. He didn't uh, get one, uh, but Rangers are fast approaching the title line you're trying to get over the line you're, you're the manager of a club that hasn't won the league for 10 years
3: and um, your fans are desperate to get over the line and get there and as I say if this was one official making a blatant mistake that he gets wrong in, in the normal speed of play I'll go with that okay we all make them but I can't have three making the same mistake and you try and speak to the fourth official they don't, they don't look at you in the eye they don't show you the, don't, didn't look at me in the eye won't look at me in the eye and you going to speak to John at half time won't speak to you wants to speak to you inside but you're in separate stands, it's impossible.
5: He's just not having it, is he, uh, Stephen Gerrard? He would not oh. look me in the eye, he says. He was bang out of order. Those were just some of the words that were coming out of his mouth uh, last night as we were frantically lip-reading uh, to our TV screens. But Rangers got there in the end, they won 1-0 um, and they are almost there. It's Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show with Craig Moore and Packy Bonner alongside in the studio mm. and we can welcome to the show as well Craig from Cumbernauld. Hi Craig. Hi, Rob, Craig, and Who's who's doing well? How are
1: you? Uh, Hi, okay. Aye, not bad, not bad. Um, well, what are you, know, you thinking? <laughs> you. <laughs> well, where not do not you start? You know, that, uh, exactly. Well, I'm not surprised you to know that. I'm obviously you know, mainly phoning about the the incident last night with the diver, Madeira. So, it, you know, first and foremost, you know, I I think it is a penalty. I think um, I can see how from John Beaton's angle how he maybe got it wrong but I can't excuse um the false official or more more important than that the linesman because the linesman is looking at it from a perfect angle, side on view, unobstructed. There isn't as if it's not as if there's a couple of players in his way and he might not have seen it. He has a clear, unobstructed view of it. And in my opinion, from what I witnessed on the television screen that, that Beaton obviously had a word with the linesman it seems to me that he didn't you know, decide that it wasn't a penalty, and thus the yellow card's been given for a dive. Um, and, and it is a bad decision. I mean, you know, it's a bad decision when even the opposition manager in David Martindale yeah. saw it. And he came out after the game, and I must say, I tip my cap to that man for his honesty, because there isn't many managers that would come out and be as candid and honest and say, yeah, we got away one there, that should have been a penalty. So, fair play to him. Um, but to me, it comes down to this idea of how are the referees determining what a dive is nowadays? Because if you look at a Yeti in the Kilmarnock game, in my view, I thought that was a dive, but if there was slight contact, then he could go down because that's what you're told. Or if you look at even Greg Taylor against him, I realise because I'm a Rangers fan, people, or, or, why is he Celtic? they're just the two most recent ones off the top of my head. Um, you know, so you look at Greg Taylor in this St Bidding game, you know, yeah. he gets a hand on his shoulder very briefly, you know, and almost immediately throws himself to the ground and the referee in that match doesn't decide this uh, a dive and in fact points to the spot. So
5: And and is that great, Craig, Craig, is that last night is that is that the reputation of Alfredo Morelos going ahead of him? Is that what that was all about, that decision?
1: Well it, it might have been, but that should never be the case. You know, at the end of the day, referees on that day are there to referee that game not um, having the back of their minds incidents for other games and, and things like that and again they're human beings like the rest is um, and that may be the case but I think it's wrong if it is and I, I must say I think the way Alfredo Morelos conducted themselves throughout it mm. was amicable from when the tackle was made because the guys don't know when you see a dive traditionally there's a bit of amateur theatrics you know there's maybe a hands in the air or there's a leap to the floor or or anything like that. Morelos didn't do any of that when he went down. Craig, Jesus, let, let's, get, went
5: let's, down. Cra- let's get Craig Moore uh, involved in the conversation, then. Craig, was 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 Alfredo Morelos' previous a factor
4: uh, in that decision? I would like to think not. Um, because, but <laughs> <laughs> but some, sometimes I I guess um, there can be that 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 thought process. But again, I'm going to go with you know the officials being. Professional and treating every game and, and and every incident within that match on on its merits, not what's happened in in, in the past. But like I says, I mean, Stephen Gerrard's come out and, and clearly was was extremely disappointed. Um, I personally, Craig, would have loved to have seen um, the the assistant, the linesman, uh, who who had a, a clear view, help the referee out because look, it happens. Potentially, you know, you might might have not. Uh, You've been miscited. Uh, the referee's not seen it. But that's where the assistant referee needs to really help the man out in the middle. Um, that still didn't happen, and and that's a that's what's happened in terms of that's why Stephen Gerrard has been boiling because he's no not one, not two, but three people have been in a position to to potentially see what we've all looked at and, and have all said blatantly it was it was a penalty. You touch on Morelos in terms of the way he behaved um, in terms of the whole uh, situation. He behaved uh, in, in a, a very, very uh, good way. Uh, you know, he got up, he was a little bit bemused, he had a little bit of a smile on his face as if say, I don't really know where that's come from, but he got on with it, um, which is fair play to him because we know at times he has let himself down. But I think just with so much at stake and, and, and uh, I guess um, for this title run-in, a lot to look forward to, he, he, he certainly handled himself in the best possible way for himself and more importantly the team.
5: And he recovered pretty well from missing missing chances as well, didn't he? Yeah. Because he quite a few chances in the yeah. course of the game hard and go. To, the to and, the, and then of course he pops up Packy in the in the eighty seventh yeah. minute and, and, and that's exactly where you want him to be, isn't it? When Stephen Davis's shot is saved, he's there to just yeah, tap yeah, it in yeah, and, yeah. and Rangers have got the three points.
6: I want to go back to obviously the collar's point. Ayeti it was a penalty because he was touched and he went down. Taylor's was a penalty and he went down. Morellas was a penalty and it was a mistake by the referee and not giving the penalty, but it was a penalty. Mm-hmm. All of it, If you're touched inside the box, I have no doubt uh, if you go down, you're going to get a penalty. Uh, but somebody has to call that. So the referee got the Morellas one completely wrong. And Craig is absolutely right. He needed help from his assistant more so probably than the fourth official, that might come a little bit later, uh, and and from that perspective, so the mistake was definitely. And Morellas you're right, he did uh, act in a very responsible way. Uh, he probably had one, maybe had. Did he have a mind on the big game coming up at the weekend? If he, <laughs> if he, and, and staying on the pitch, getting his goal, uh, that that almost put Rangers into a position. But all of those, so uh, I'm I'm not going. I'm not taking the one where Yeti and 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 uh, Taylor. It wasn't a penalty, uh, and and uh, maybe uh, maybe that's maybe I'm picking up on the collar uh, wrongly there, but I think oh. that's maybe what you were trying to say that there was a difference there between the decision making, but where the decision was wrong last night was that it was a mistake in Morelos. It should have been a penalty. The goalkeeper made a wrong decision coming out. Yeah. all of these things happen. There's mistakes that happens in the game, but then you can rectify it mm-hmm. if you have got three people, and and they're all linked up now. That's the other point. So I'm sure that John Beaton. Probably had yeah, some it sort it of should, it should be communication th- with it, his assistant. It
5: should be a team operation. That, that's the plan yeah. between four different officials that they all operate mm-hmm. together. That, that, that's the plan. And, and Craig's—I mean, Stephen Gerrard had two problems. He, had, he had the initial decision and the fact that three of them. Uh, couldn't spot the penalty. Uh, the other aspect, of course, let, let's just hear what you had to say. Was, was that lack of communication from the referee at half-time? Just wanted a conversation. He didn't look at me. He walked away from me. Said to me he
3: wanted to speak to me inside, but how can you speak inside if we're all in separate stands? It's impossible. So I don't feel like I've done anything wrong except ask for an that explanation. That's all.
5: It doesn't do much, Craig, does it, for you know our attempts uh, and the hopes we have that communication between players and managers and officials can improve.
1: Well, it, exactly. You know, it has to. Um, you know, uh, firstly, just to clarify with like, like Pat's point, I, I totally agree with what you said. there, Pat, And the point I'm making is that if those two incidents are penalties um, because of the contact however minimal, then so would Alfredo Morales's be. And I couldn't
6: understand how referees. They're different referees. Feet. Sorry for cutting. In. Yeah, that's the yeah. problem. They're all different people. That's. The, um, the point. It wasn't John Beaton. who was refereeing the two. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe he was refereeing oh, I, can't the I can't remember who the referees know, were but uh, let well, not blame him
5: just in case <laughs>
1: No, but all I think that the, 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 the idea of the, the transparency thing, that could confuses me because was there not some sort of meeting, you know, a season or two ago between, you know about referees and that and, and with the football clubs and yeah. where the, the referees said they were going to be more transparent yeah. They do it all the time, they are, say it all the time but yeah. it never happens it never happens. That's that's the problem. You know, listen, Steve Gerrard will know that um, he maybe should have um, let things drop a bit, but he did have every right to ask the question. I think the dismissive attitude of John Beaton and the fourth official served further to rile him up, because he's looking for transparency. Why have you made, not just him personally, why is three officials came to the conclusion that that's a dive um, and that's my worry about yeah. if you bring in you know video monitors and stuff like that that who's going to take the responsibility then for saying that the ref should have a look at that or if the ref does or, or is the fourth official Going to have it because
5: they don't want to take responsibility. Yeah. No. Well, as it well is. sorry. Um, and, and it's if, a bit like being told off by the teacher and sent to the back of the class, isn't it? it, it that That's what it smacks of. No, but
6: what, if VAR does come in, I think it takes away all those grey areas, you know, and, and and you know, they've, they've, they've certainly improved VAR over the last, what, how long has it been in now? Probably a year and a half or maybe yeah. two years. So, that, has, that would take away that whole whole situation there last night. So I think the investment has to come in this country for VAR, especially in the Premier League. Yeah. Let's get
5: somebody else involved in the conversation. Bob in Clive Bank. Hi, Bob. Hi, guys. Hi, how are you doing? What would you like to say about last night at Livingston? <laughs>
7: uh, quite a lot, actually, but uh, <laughs> you've only got a couple of us, guys. Uh, great to hear that you've joined one of the best teams,
6: Paki. <laughs> go radio football I, 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 I'm a <laughs> floater I'm a floater I'll
5: just come in and he, he's on, right he's on loan at the moment we're pursuing a permanent deal but we'll, we'll get back to you on that
7: get his pen out and get him signed uh, what was I saying about when have you, you guys ever seen Stephen Gerrard react the way he acted last night has anybody ever seen him reacting like that because you knew he was 101% right by what he was saying and as for three people to, and they're making excuses now. I heard no mention another station, but they're saying that uh, that uh, he was blinded; he couldn't see it. He was right in front of it. he's seen it happening?
0: he's seen it happening? Stephen Gerrard, you're talking about now? Yeah?
7: Yes, yeah, yes.
4: Yeah.
7: And Stephen Gerrard seen it from where he was standing. Yeah, and John Beaton was at the edge of the eighteen-yard box when it happened. yeah
4: Yeah.
6: Uh, but I still, so, I just still don't think he fact, might have had the total, the total view of it. But that's where the the combination of him and his assistant that, comes into play. That,
5: that's what Stephen Gerrard is incredulous about that, that yeah. three officials didn't didn't get involved enough between them
4: to get the decision right. And it doesn't look it's obviously not sat well with him because, as we've touched on, three people uh, that have not not been able to make the right decision, um, and more importantly, the way that he tried to address the situation at half-time and have a conversation and he got the the brush off. He got the brush off. You know, we all hate that growing up when mum and dad tell us what we I, could do. I wonder, all the, all the...
6: I wonder though, I wonder though, from a, from a point of view, at halftime, was that the right time to to address the situation from Stephen Gerrard's point of well, view? Well, it just, it just
5: happened, hasn't it?
6: I, I know yeah. it happened, but normal circumstances, you'd be going down a tunnel and you might address it yeah. inside and people wouldn't see it yeah, and so yeah. on. Mm. Maybe that's going to John Beaton's point yeah. of view too. Also, yeah. I don't want to discuss it here yes, yes, it's Bob. in public view. Yes, Bob.
7: Yeah, Packy, the thing is,
6: it,
7: as he said... The two different sides of the stand. They weren't together, so he
6: couldn't mm-hmm. go down the tunnel, packet No, no, I understand a... that. I understand that. Absolutely understand
4: and, that. And he was of it. Look, Stephen Gerrard's fuming because, again, going to win a title for the first time in 10 years, to win his first silverware for the football club, he sees a, a decision that goes against his team that potentially puts him 1-0 up going into half-time. Well, it's a yes. different game. It's a con- completely different game. So I understand completely his frustration we all understand and, and, and I think know now that the the referee made uh, a, a, the wrong decision and, and certainly I, I personally think Bob that um, it could have been managed by the referee a, a whole lot better walking off at half time
7: yes exactly
4: yeah uh, And how we,
7: uh, did it come about that he got the second yellow card and the red card because it he turned away and he was already walking off. And then he Key came after Gerard, yeah. he won the, red, the yellow card and the red card. But so I, th- I, think, I
5: think the chat was continuing though, wasn't it? For even though he was walking away, I think uh, Stephen Gerrard was was still having his say. Uh, and I think that's what prompted uh, John Beaton to go back into his pocket and get the same yellow card out again.
6: Yeah. Well, what, why is it? Why is it? I ask a question here, and I know it's in the rules, probably somewhere. Rob, you'll maybe be able to answer it. Why is it that that uh, head coaches um, now that they can get the yellow card and red card and so on why can they not appeal these things what, is, is that the, that's, uh, that's, that's a strange the rule, thing the me. rules are complex
7: you just seen the words they put an appeal in against Morelos which will get turned over they could get Jenner's turned over to a yellow card
5: yeah. Well it should be shouldn't it Because, because what he was protesting about he was, he was spot on, he was absolutely right It wasn't, it wasn't a penalty, it shouldn't have been a penalty uh, so, And had, yes. it not, had it not been Had the penalty been given Then the whole thing, that whole mm-hmm. uh, Half time incident wouldn't have happened
7: What shocked me more Was one of the persons that agreed with it Was Andy Walker
5: <laughs> <laughs> Well you know, you so know I, it's a stonewall penalty If he's agreeing with it yes,
7: Exactly
6: you know what I mean. So an it's, it's us just, pundits, us pundits, tell what we see on the pitch. I understand. <laughs> Paki Bonner is as honest as the day is long,
5: uh, and my nose has just grown my as well.
7: Paki, well. You signed up on the go radio.
5: <laughs> Let's have another word with Craig and Cumbernold. If you're still there, Craig, um, you know Rangers got there in the end. And how many times have they done that in in recent times, especially this season, where they haven't been firing on all cylinders? Uh, Livingston were resisting pretty effectively. Uh, 87 minutes. Uh, it's another one er
1: Absolutely, and that's that's one of the main differences this season between uh, you know this season, the last couple of seasons. And I think that comes down to a mentality thing. Uh, you saw it from all the players last night where last season you'd maybe see frustration set in, you know, particularly with Morelos when he's missed a number of chances. Um, a few that have, you know, I mean, I think the, the header at the back post yeah. should have been in the back of the net all day long. But the fact that the, the composure was still there, the patience was there, and the belief that the goal was to come uh, even as a, a fan, watching it, you know, got to Livingston's no an easy place to go. They're a tough team, they're a physical team. I think they had about seven bookings last night, so that tells you how physical the match is. Um, and we kept ploughing away at it, and I, I felt watching it, that there was a goal coming. Um, and when it did, Morelos is exactly where you want every striker to be. Um, I mean, last night on the television, you had big Chris Boyd doing the punditry. He's the rec- SPL goalscorer from being standing in positions like that, um, you know. So that—that's what you need, um, and that's what we've got this season. And I think that's the difference. You know, this season, I think it's also the difference between Rangers and Celtic this season as well. As Celtic have played poorly more often than not, they've dropped points. When we've done it, more often than not, we're still picking up the three. Because if you win every game one 0 you're still going to win the league. So it doesn't, to me. That's it. That's the most important part.
6: And tell me
5: this, Craig Moore, uh, if Rangers beat St <laughs> Mirren on Saturday, it's apparently not arithmetically over at that stage, but but surely it is because uh, there are only 21 points on the table come yep. Sunday if, if Rangers win. Yep. Uh, 21 is the difference. And yep. of course, the, the goal Rangers difference. goal difference is yeah, yeah, now, yeah. I think, yeah. 23 better.
4: Yeah, no, look, I mean, Rangers will just be looking at another game of football, looking to try and pick up three points, Looking to get closer to, to, to winning, winning that title. Um, look, that's a focus. Obviously, we, we know it's a matter of time when it's going to happen. Uh, but like I said, they'll still be addressing it game at a time um, and trying to get the business done as quick as possible mm-hmm. uh, with with everything that's still coming up and still involvement in Europa. It, it would give Stephen Gerrard the flexibility to try and, you know, balance things a little bit towards a, the, the heavy congestion at, at you know, at the end of the season you have got Scottish Cup starting, you've got all these kind of things. So a lot of games. Um had some injuries, you know, you know, you've got Tav out, you have got Kima Roof out. There's there's a few injuries there as well. So look they'll they'll be looking to get the business done as quick as possible. Thanks for the
5: calls. Good to have you on the show. Cheers guys. have a good one. All the best. Cheers. Um, Cheers talking uh, Rangers they're talking that uh, big decision uh, last night uh, from John Beaton the reaction from Stephen Gerrard the red card that followed but ultimately the three points that followed as well Rangers um, are just uh, effectively one more win away from the title The Bull Radio Football Show Let's go Yeah, it's the refereeing decision they are all uh, talking about. The temperature has been rising ever since last night at Livingston when John Beaton showed a yellow card to Alfredo Morelos for diving as he saw it rather than pointing to the spot. And it all kicked off at half-time and Steven Gerrard ended up watching the match from the stand. But he was pretty happy in the end with that late Morelos winner and uh, another significant step closer to Rangers landing their first title in ten years, we did have a a poll on the go earlier on on the show, just asking about the the decision about what you thought was it a penalty, was it a dive? Thirty two percent went for a dive, which uh, strikes me as uh, quite, high. Quite, quite a high chunk, Craig, um, because I think probably I mean when when you get uh, the opposing manager. Um, as one of our callers said, owning up afterwards and, and saying disappointed to lose the late goal, but we were got lucky because uh, Rangers should have For had a first penalty. half penalty. You kind of know at that yeah. point um, that John Beaton, <clears throat> not just John Beaton, but as officials, I think we should say that as well. It is it should be a team operation, um, and he was I think he was let down, wasn't he?
4: Yeah, no, very much so. I, I think, like I said, sometimes uh, the man in the middle, um, you know, like the head coach of, of any football club, they're the one that, that brunt uh, get take the brunt of all the uh, the poor decisions or whatever. But they they, they need help, uh, and that's why we have assistant referees, linesmen, to be able to, to to help the referee when maybe um, you know there, there's things that they can't see. They need to play an active role. It's not a, not just a matter of saying. Um, who's throw it, throwing it is you know what teams throw it. it's like there's, they've yeah. got to play more of a role to help and as you touched on Rob, it is a team you know when, when we're not talking about the referees and the, the, the assistant they've done a good job so they've got to, they've got to bond together and they've got to have that team mentality to show themselves in the best light
5: tomorrow night is uh, Friday night of course on the Gold Radio Football Show Paul Cooney back with uh, Barry Ferguson and Cy Ferry looking ahead to the weekend uh, some juicy games coming up as well five on Saturday at the Premiership Aberdeen against Hamilton who got a point against St Johnston last night don't know if you guys saw uh, the highlights of that game but two fantastic goals, goals. in that Great game uh, Ross Callaghan uh, for Akies with a long range effort curling it into the top corner and then Guy Melamed for, uh, for St Johnston and what and I, a first touch, Packy that was. I don't, it was
6: a brilliant touch and uh, obviously the ball travelled quite a quite a distance. Um but but yeah, really, really good goals and there was a lot of good chances in the game also mm. uh from both ends. I think Hamilton could have won it uh, had the crossbar, didn't they had the hit the hit the before yeah. St. Johnson scored. Uh, But uh, super, super game and um, real fight by by Hamilton down at the bottom, isn't it? You know, they're really putting it up to him. Brian, Brian's a great guy. I I felt sorry for him probably about three, four, maybe four weeks ago or so. He he seemed really down. He seemed Mm. really, really down. He was on an interview that we did with him and he was almost really, really down. And he lost a lot of key players Uh, and... He just didn't see. It didn't seem to me that he seen a way around it and out yeah, of it. And yeah. then suddenly, within two weeks, he was back to himself, and the team had the players back, and they responded to it. So, yeah. And they and they pick it. And they've been through the course so many
4: times, Hamilton yeah, down there. But well, look, but the, that conceding that late goal. Yeah. 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 You know, course. like mm. that. That's a that's a real kick in the teeth, that you know. You're staring at three points, close the game out, and then all of a sudden a yeah. a, a, a late equaliser. Um, at this stage of the season, in their position. Uh, so yeah very interesting
5: and it's one point now between the bottom three <laughs> uh, you look at the table now and you tend to think Motherwell are probably okay on their win at Easter Road at the weekend that's made a big difference to them and it's now looking as if it is two, is Six
6: two, points two between out them of and...
5: yeah and it is now maybe two out of three Ross County Hamilton Kilmarnock uh, which will be in bottom spot which will be in the playoff place uh, well, it seems
4: and, and this weekend Ross County Kilmarnock it is yeah w- absolutely w- that's an absolute
5: cracker that I is mean, a bell
4: that, that is a built-up. I mean. they, they
5: might not need a ball for that one, actually. They might be able to play without, play without the ball. I'll look forward to that one. <laughs> so it's Ross County against Kilmarnock. It's Aberdeen against Hamilton. Mother will play Livingston. Uh, Ross County, uh, sorry, Rangers against St Mirren. That could be the title clincher, effectively. it's St Mirren against Hibs. Um, and it's uh, Dundee United against Celtic, uh, 12 o'clock on Sunday I'm thinking you're going to be there Paki are you at Tanadise on Sunday yes I've been asked to go go. I'll be there too so uh, we will be working together again on uh, that one and might be a match uh, by that stage which doesn't mean very much there's a couple of games uh, ongoing in the English Premier League already It's uh, Fulham against Tottenham. I think Fulham had the chance to get out of the bottom three if they could win that one tonight against Spurs. But Deli Alley has scored, I think, early on, uh, Craig. So uh, Fulham 0, Tottenham 1 is the latest score in the English Premier League. The other game is West Brom against Everton. That one's goalless. And later on, an 8.15 kick-off, Liverpool against
4: Chelsea. That should be an absolute belter. But look, the, the... The league, obviously, the Premier League, Man City are away with it. Um, that's, that's a done deal. But isn't it interesting when you get to this stage of the season, especially down the bottom there, you see, you know, Fulham, okay, they're 1-0 down tonight, but Scotty Parker's got a good um, lift from his team. Uh, they've been grinding out results. West Brom has, you know, got the odd result there. Then you got Chris Walder that got a, a result there with Sheffield United. I, I think Sheffield United and West Brom are gone. Yeah. But Fulham uh, have got a, a real opportunity to try and bring your, your Newcastle's Sheffield sure, you United one last night, didn't he? Yes, one yes. Yeah.
6: So, so that'd give them a- and
4: Newcastle and Brighton uh, potentially can be can be dragged into it. So very interesting down the bottom end, not so much the top. But is,
6: isn't Spurs? I, I must. Uh, Tell you that I was a Spurs supporter when I was a young boy. Is this very, confession very, time. Confession, <laughs> a <laughs> very young boy, along, alongside Celtic, of course, and my Scottish team and, and Spurs, but they frustrated me over the years. I, I love Spurs yeah. in many ways because of the way, but they frustrated me, and they've always the nearly team. Even mm-hmm. even now, they're the almost the nearly team. Yeah. Um, and and, uh, sometimes I look at them and say wow could they become that that top team Mm -hmm. I'm not so sure the mentality is right there
5: Let's get back to uh, one of your old teams Craig we're talking English football at the moment so Newcastle United it's all been happening uh, Newcastle and uh, former Scotland uh, midfielder Matt Ritchie of Newcastle of course has apologised for a training ground bust up with head coach Steve Bruce Uh, Ritchie was involved in an angry exchange with Bruce earlier this week Uh, Ritchie was frustrated with Bruce's post-match comments after Saturday's one-all draw with Wolves, Bruce suggested that Ritchie hadn't passed on information from the touchline seconds before uh, the visitors scored their equaliser. Uh, the club haven't officially commented on the incident, um, but it's understood Ritchie has apologised for what he said and that the matter is now considered closed.
4: Well, he actually called Steve Bruce a coward um, because there was uh, he came on as a, as a substitute with information to pass on to the players. That information never really had a chance to be passed on because I think Shelby took a quick free kick and they ended up conceding. Um, but a lot of unrest in terms of, um, you know, Steve Bruce come out and has kind of went for three or four players, which the playing group haven't taken kindly to, <laughs> uh, and which led to, and I don't know why they had two days off, which led to them coming in on training on the, on, on the Tuesday, um... Steve Bruce finding out that Matt Ritchie had, had called him a, a coward and a little bit of argy bargy at uh, at training Rob that's kind of what I've seen through the the, the, the social channels and, and what we're hearing um, who would you back in the scrap between uh, Matt Ritchie uh, and Steve uh, Bruce I think it's a non-event in terms of <laughs> in terms of that but I tell you what it 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 puts Steve Bruce in a real in a real real tough position I mean Newcastle they're fighting for their lives yeah. and all of a sudden now you've got a group of players that aren't supporting player power uh,
6: you know I've always said a player power and, and and that's what the hierarchy listened to unfortunately also and, and the manager is always the one that is as easy sackable. You can't sack the players. as Such he's the one that that can can be out the door. So you've got to manage players. The players now are different, and managers call players out and so on and so forth. You can't do it now. You have to find a different way. Mm. Uh, and if you go public on those on those issues, uh, then you're leaving yourself wide open, uh, and and that so. Yeah,
5: here's some here's some breaking news in Scottish football. A restart to the Scottish League One and Two season has been approved uh, from the 20th of March, but the SPFL board remains unconvinced that a 22-game season is realistic. Uh, that's the aim of the 20 clubs in those leagues. After uh, Nicholas Sturgeon gave the go-ahead to a return to play, but the governing body is seeking assurances about what will happen if clubs fail to complete their. Fixtures, the SPFL has said, only then will the board be able to consider the requests to push back the dates of the playoffs. So it's very complicated. It's very complex. It's going to be difficult, Craig, to make this work.
4: And it just seems to be changing. I thought I was clear before I come on. And then you get a new a, a, yeah. a new update. You know, they were talking potentially from the reduced amount of games, of 27 to 22 with a split after 18 games. Uh, and then asking for a, a slight extension. Uh, in terms of the promotion relegation playoffs, which was only a couple of weeks. Mm. And I was like, you know, that's that's actually not too bad. Teams can be active that still have to allow these fixtures to play out. We were speaking off air in terms about the challenges. That's the problem. The challenges here for me are for, for the players. You're talking about League One, League Two, Rob. They're, they're part-time clubs, mm. right, that have missed seven, six to seven weeks of football. Um, Packer, you know in terms of yeah. when we're preparing as footballers yeah. for a for a season, four weeks normally?
6: Normally. Normal situations, an hour a day a long time ago and you would maybe switch off for a week or two and then you'd go back into a bit of training on your own whether you were on holiday or in wherever you were and then can almost get back into pre-season and you had four weeks of preparation and even then it took you a couple of weeks into the season to get going. Um, and, and i remember pre-season games you know you were you were thinking that you were fit and in the middle of i remember going out to canada one time we got beat with a pub team absolutely i remember a big billy <laughs> calling us out <laughs> and a guy outside the window get into them get into them <laughs> and and that was, our legs couldn't move yeah, you know yeah. and we, we were coming off maybe a training and we were full a heavy time. session, yeah heavy session yeah and, and and we just couldn't run and everybody was but but that's that's the challenge for these players and i don't know whether the, they've been out doing anything, they've probably been running, but would have, 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 have you not been out with a ball and doing all the turning and changing direction and games. all of those, those, and games and up against opposition, then it's very, very difficult to keep your fitness levels up to a level that you have. To, and then it's injury. And player welfare is a huge thing in this, um, to be honest. I don't know why they want to go for the 22 match. Is that down to money or is it down to... you so know, It's just down I th- to,
4: I think, the, uh, the time. That that that's possible to play the amount of games, so they had they had to be reduced but from why, the twi- why is the twenty-seven. The, yeah,
6: yeah, but why is the clubs asking for twenty-two instead of eighteen? Is not is that what we're seeing here? The clubs are I think are 20, for
5: twenty-two was the was the proposal mm-hmm. from the clubs.
4: Yeah, and yeah. and the split at eighteen games. So yeah. then they had the split. The remaining four games, then obviously, would be the the excitement for hopefully the fans coming in, what sort of yeah. stuff, and and something that we can all get behind and support. And you've still got the thrills. Right. Uh, and the falls of yeah. promotion and relegation. But you just want
5: to have a go at it, don't you? I mean, I mean, there are huge hurdles to be overcome here, yeah. but but it has to be done, and it has to be sorted out quickly, well, just well, so, well, that, so well. that people can. Mm. Yeah, I, I know about the you know, player welfare is really yeah. important, and injuries and all the rest mm-hmm. of it, and maybe that's inevitable. That's going to happen. That will happen. But, yeah. but just get back, get back play Everyone wants to get back playing football, don't they? Yeah, yeah and
6: it is an industry, and it is a business to a point, even though it's part time. And partly Thistle is the one uh, that's involved in all of that. That probably would desperately want. To that to, because I don't know where where are they at the moment in the league, party Thistle, are they at the, the top top to get get promoted or whatever? Well, they're certainly in the in the frame for yeah, that, that, but that they would one, be in be the be... frame. But they are desperate to get back yeah, up again and yeah. among the big boys because they are like almost like a a club that should be up there challenging, the even a promotion up into the into Premier League. Can you mm-hmm.
5: imagine what would have, what it would have meant for them had the season been declared null and void oh. and they'd another another season to come in League One?
4: You know, an, an absolute disaster. Look, what what we all know is. We're dealing with just unbelievable, incredible circumstances. Um, and and it's, it's been a big challenge f- for everybody, you know, for, for, for people's mental health, for supporters to be able to get to the game and support their clubs, for the people that have to make decisions on what actually is going to happen with fixtures and seasons. I mean, it's, it's been a disaster. But, Rob, you're, you're right, mate. I'm kind of on your pages. I just, we want to see football back. You know and, and and so we want them to come up with something that allows the league ones the league twos the highlands the, the the women's let's find a way where you know we can complete those seasons and again I do go back to in the safest possible possible way um you know but even the interesting thing is like with league one league two and we talk about off seasons and and how long it would take to prepare these players to be ready Rob um what happens if they want to play a little friendly game leading? into mm. potentially the start, which I think March March 20. Mm. So then is that additional testing... Oh, don't testing don't, you, don't introduce like, that. I'm just saying <laughs> it. Is that, like, so you can imagine how tough it is for There's people to have challenges. to make decisions. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of challenges.
5: Yeah, and we're not the people that are going to sort out either. Uh, Crick Moore, Packy Bonner, and your calls. What could be better?
2: The Bull Radio Football
5: Show. Let's go! It's another Go Radio Football Show that has flown by. We are almost at our finishing line. That's something that Stephen Gerrard's been talking a lot about lately um, in terms of Rangers just getting ever closer to landing their first title in uh, 10 years. We'll speak a little bit more about Rangers in a moment, but we were speaking earlier on in the show, Paddy Bonner, um, about uh, John Kennedy. Yeah. And uh, you were... Wondering whether he might just have a little chance at uh, getting a job, depending how he does between now and the end of the season. uh, We'd Tony on from a Celtic State of Mind podcast as well. I'm just wondering generally uh, about Celtic at the moment how confident you feel about them sorting things out. There's lots to be sorted. Do you believe, do you have faith that uh, behind the scenes things are happening? I hope so. Uh,
6: that's all I can say. I don't know for definite what decisions. Obviously, I'm not in, in inside uh, that that area to, to see what's going on. But I, I would really think that they're they've now realised that the, the league is gone, um, and um, and that's obviously why Peter Lowell and Neil Lennon will is, is also leaving. But I'm sure they have to be making the decisions now because. Uh, somebody said it was 110 days or something uh, until the Champions League qualifier qualifier yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that goes very very quickly um, um, and, and they have to be planning to be in a position where because Europe is I think it's for the two big clubs in mm-hmm. in Scotland, definitely it's the uh, holy grail, uh, you know, from Celtic's perspective. Yeah, and becoming you... more
5: so actually because of the coefficient and because how yeah. well Rangers and Celtic and have money. done in Europe in recent years, um, it, it means that we're fast approaching the stage where the winners of the, the, the Premiership go straight into the, the um, Champions League and, and we know how many millions that means yes.
6: yeah well that's the point it's, it's really and from Rangers perspective it, it, it almost brings new revenue to them that they didn't have for the last sort of almost nine years um, and then they can go and plan ahead from Celtic's perspective they want to keep uh, the finances they're in a good state I think finances I know they've lost probably a lot of money this year they've got a huge wage bill will be something that they will be looking at to see can they cut the wage bill down Uh, from, from a point of view uh, of where they are at this moment in time um, from it but they're still in a very good position that they can make the decisions going forward. Uh, but it's those big decisions that, that everybody's waiting on, you know, the even the chief executive coming in. He doesn't come in until July. But is he involved now you in would the think process? So. You, yeah, you would, would so. have to yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah and, and all of that. So so from that perspective, um, those big decisions is the ones that the fans want to hear. From a football perspective, um you know, and I was going to ask Craig this, even from a Rangers perspective, and they need time to, to almost celebrate what, what they've done this year, to be honest, but they have to be looking a bit to the future also and saying, well, what happens if, you know, and the big question is this, what happens if Klopp left tomorrow? Mm. And, and, and Liverpool came calling for, for Stephen Gerrard Stephen Gerrard probably would walk down the road for that particular job there's mm. no question um, and, and that, that's a big question for the Rangers fans to say and then if he if he goes does he take Gary McAllister he takes Michael Beale with him and then you're into a completely different stage for them from Celtic's perspective uh, they, they're in that situation now mm, mm. Uh, and they have to make those big decisions but from a player point of view if they can bring in four or five key players in this window along with what they have and they've shown that they have enough up front now holding on to uh, Oz and Edward I don't think that'll happen but he will create finance for them and they've got to make those recruitment decisions uh, bang on this Mm. time but but they're not that you know they're not that far away from getting a challenge next year again mm-hmm. uh, to, to to be in there challenging Rangers, uh, that's for sure. Uh, so so I don't see a, I don't see a, a big issue. But I think the fans are looking for the big name coming yeah, in. Definitely, and that's, that's yeah, and so, the key to and this. So, and
5: so are Celtic as a club because it's about it's commercial. It's about it's about selling season tickets. Anyway, hold that thought for a second because let's talk to Gary in Castle Milk. Hi, Gary.
8: How you doing Rob? Yeah. Paki, Big Oz Nick Gary, 20s. how are you pal? Thanks for taking my call Not
5: at all <laughs> What would
8: you like to say? Uh, I just want to get your guys thoughts You know Obviously what happened last night The controversy I know you've been talking about it The majority of the night I just want to know uh, Paki and Craig's thoughts On uh, What they thought of the referee being so uh, Dismissive and rude than that Because I mean See it in rugby you actually see the referee Interacting with the players You yeah. know This is why I made that <laughs> decision <laughs> I don't know why they can't fully sort of integrate that into the football. I mean, maybe they're trained just to be like, listen, you don't talk to them, but. Yeah. I- I mean, like the other guys, they're probably no far and wide football. I want to know: is it like that the rest of the world, or is it just Scotland? You know. It's the other thing
5: about rugby, of course, is that the referee's mic'd up, and you actually can can hear hear, hear what he's saying. Yeah. So, so it, it actually makes decision his decisions if if they are easy to follow, yeah. which last night's wasn't. But but generally speaking, you know what's happening with the referee, and you hear what he says to the players, and it's all it's all there's lots of communication, Craig.
4: Yeah. Now, nah, look, I, I think. I, And, Packy, you'll be able to say the same. Like, back in the day and all that sort of stuff, the the good referees, the top referees, had an unbelievable relationship with the players, right? And that's not because they give you any favours. It's just because there there was that banter, there was that knowledge, there was... It was management. It was game management. And and I think sometimes... And it's not just in Scotland, um, Gary. It's it's not just in Scotland, mate. It it happens all over the world. Every now and then, you, you know, you get a performance or you get a referee and it's a little bit arrogant uh i i guess or, or maybe it's you know dismissive in terms of a a conversation or an answer that um really a head coach and a captain have the right to to have that conversation with 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 an official so again i thought that could have been managed a whole lot better last night in in, in the match um you know i thought beton could have done that job a lot better um and at the end of the day look we need to have respect for one another um you know it's it's I, th- perfic- I, think what,
5: I think what we should say is about John Beaton as well is that he has he's suffered, hasn't he, very publicly uh, from abuse from uh, social media abuse. Yeah. He's taken a lot. He's taken a lot of stick. There have been threats made to him, his family, yeah, all, all that stuff. That, that yeah. I mean, that that's that's something that is totally yeah. unacceptable, and that would have to be borne in mind in, in all of this.
4: Yeah, one hundred percent. There was also um, referee uh, escapes me in in, in the UK, England, sorry, the last week or two that had death threats as well. Was uh, it was it Mike Dean? Mike Dean, yeah, yeah. and he stood himself down because yeah. look, that's unacceptable. You know, in in, in any walk to be yeah. to be having death threats and all sort of stuff. And we've heard players that have come out with it or abuse and the stuff that we see on social media uh, where it's it's over the line, Rob. You know, mm. and, and that's not just uh, sporting people. That's life in general, yeah. uh, and it leads to to really. Uh, poor outcomes. So it's definitely unacceptable. Yeah. Uh, uh,
6: what I would say, and it is, is actually around the world, is worse <laughs> than here in Scotland. <laughs> Scotland's they're very officious here in Scotland yeah. in the way that the way they treat. And, and I, I take Craig's point about. I, I remember in this situation I was in with Kenny Hope. Um, you know, you remember Kenny? Yeah. And uh, his brother Doogie. But Kenny used to go over and do a lot of the friendlies in Ireland when we played international football. And you would meet him out and about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you built up a relationship with him. You met him had a beer in a bar yeah, with him and yeah, talked to yeah. him and so on. And then when you met him at the games... You know. mm. But I remember playing against Hearts in the semi-final and I got buried into the back of the net and there was a goal. Um, and uh, I was really annoyed that the free kick wasn't given. And the ball came down and the next instance, it came down down my side of the pitch... And I swore at him. I did everything, around him. Yeah. and I could see him changing. I could see the eyes changing in him. Yeah. And I, and I, I thought I was off here. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's the way. But he actually didn't. He just he said did thanks, me a, thanks for that. Pint, you bought thanks me for that pint over in Dublin that you bought me. But but that relationship was built up, and that that almost kind of changed. But refereeing in rugby is completely different. I had also the great experience of sitting up in Crow Park, actually watching Ireland and England play in that famous. Uh, game um, in rugby, um, and I could hear everything the referee what a, what a earpiece had, and and it was an education. Yeah. Yep. It was absolutely yep. an education from the rugby guys, and how did they? They actually probably knew more about the rules and everything than the, than the players themselves. Yeah, yeah Because yeah. he was, they were educating the players mm. also in it. So there's a different kind of almost, uh, and the players in rugby yeah. do not do not challenge the referee. They almost accept it. Yeah, and and that's that's a kind of being brought up through a historical yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. It's not a even an educational thing is just part of the game to change soccer into that mm. you're not going no. to do it but there has to be respect I, on both I, and, sides and I
4: wouldn't want that I remember one game uh, in Australia the referee was Matthew Matthew Breeze, and he was talking me through every decision he made on the uh, on the ground that day and I'm like mate I, you're actually doing my head in I don't need to be hearing every <laughs> single decision you're making saying this that and I'm like mate just you put me off my game mate focus on your game like but you're right in rugby it is a little bit different they still have that interaction with the with the captain yeah that's the only player that will ever come and try and have this conversation, but it's a different culture. It's a, it's a different yeah. culture. But there is yeah. things
6: you can learn from it in education. Yeah, absolutely. And it is all about education, yeah. and it's about, but it's about relationships. It's about relationships. Yeah. And that then sometimes, even in the coaching courses, Craig, you've been on the coaching courses, and they bring in the referee in to talk to the players. Yeah. The referee gets absolutely oh, smashed. annihilated. Smashed. Well, annihilated. <laughs> Let's bring it back to
5: last night at Livingston, Gary. And, and but I mean, what Stephen Gerrard was doing is, you know. Yeah, yes, you know, he said you're bang out of order at one point, but but he was also asking the question. He was looking for an explanation, wasn't he, um, about why no penalty and and why a yellow card for Morellis when there was was contact.
8: Yeah, I mean, actually, thing. I mean, I remember it was a couple of years ago uh, they had to sort of respect the ref uh, thing going on. You know, they promoted that. Yep. I mean, it's got to go both ways. But I mean, back to last night, even just to turn around to Stevie, and say, look mate?" from my angle it looked like that and I didn't have any clearance for my linesman so I've got to go off my initial you know what I've seen so I don't see why that was so hard to take 5 seconds 10 seconds to turn around and say that then just you know the sort of lack of respect between them it was quite shocking that's
6: but, but at that, that respect, I must tell you another story. And sorry for for taking us into a storytelling situation, <laughs> but I remember going down <laughs> very quickly going down to down to Lar Trun, I think it was. My son was playing with Trun in, in a junior game, and I went down with my wife. Beautiful sunny evening, and there was two old guys was on the line from the crowd, and a young young referee he was only a kid in the middle of the pitch. And the old guy recognised me from the line, and he started talking to me as the game was going on. Yeah. He turned away from the pitch, but the referee gave. gave to get, and he turned around and absolutely annihilated the referee and he was a linesman yeah. the old yeah. guy yeah. Yeah, so yeah. this was a kind of a, a thing that's a, again historical give the referee yeah. as much stick
5: well, as well, possible I don't, <laughs> I don't think we can help out the assistant from last night by saying he was speaking to somebody in the crowd no, because no. there wasn't anybody there just, just a
4: quick one why can we not interview referees after a match
6: great question it used to be, oh,
5: was, it, I... was there
4: some sort of time in the yeah,
5: past? It's, it's, it's been it mentioned loads, uh, yeah. It's been t- the, the, for a while with the whistleblower website, then and referees, you know, even though they weren't interviewed, were able to have their say. But that's probably uh, a conversation for another time because we've run right out of time. Gary, thanks for your call.
8: Thanks for taking my call guys Cheers Have a good night All
5: the best And that is it for uh, tonight Uh, Two hours has come and gone Really quickly We're back uh, Tomorrow night On the show Paul Cooney Is back with uh, Barry Ferguson And Cy Ferry Alongside him Your calls as well Looking ahead to the Football weekend We are as usual
0: Live at five visit opc-ltd.uk